Sophia's birthday is this weekend, right? It's on the 30th, whatever day that is. We're having yeah. the birthday party this weekend. Okay, so whenever it is, the party's <coughs> happening. Right. And um, our wives and their family like to really go, go all, all out, out for birthday parties. <clears throat> Absolutely. And for the most part, I am almost completely unconcerned with birthdays. So I leave that all to Julia to do, right? So this afternoon, a few hours ago, she texts me and she's like, I've got a quote for an Anna lookalike that could come to the birthday party and read a story to Sophia for $200. And again, I'm just, my, my response is just like, whatever. I don't care if that's what she wants to do. That's fine. I'm, I might have to go run an errand (laughs) as soon as the Anna lookalike. Is she going to have, hold on, is she going to have baby features on a full grown woman? This is what I, that's what I started thinking of. So then I texted her and I was like, have you seen a picture of her? Like how much of a lookalike is this, right? Is it $200 worth? Right, exactly. I'm thinking I don't want some, you know, busted ass Anna showing up to my house. She's stubbing out her cigarette on your doorstep. Exactly, right, exactly. And so this is the picture she's Well, she reads Fifty Shades of Grey to your kids. I honestly don't know which which one she is in this picture. Anna is on the right. Okay. Anna's the red-haired one. That that's a, kind of looks like a man. That's a girl. Yeah, you're right. But it's a girl who put her hair in pigtails. Right. And I texted her. I was like, that basically looks like Kristoff. That looks like Kristoff trying to dress up like Anna. Like, I'm not trying to be mean to this woman, right? But it's just well, as like, if you're making a living. Well, I guess my, my issue is more of like, what does she do? Does she sing? Does she come and sing I guess she's just going to come and read a book. Her book? Who knows? Your book? Who knows? So this is the other question I had. Sophia's going to be three. Does Indiana remember anything from... Any of his birthday parties pre five, four? I don't that you know of. Think he remembers his last. Per- I mean, we don't really go all out for him. I, I we had a superhero themed, or was that mm-hmm. Olivia's? Uh, no, I can't remember either. It, we can't remember. Right. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it's like <clears throat> I feel like kids' parties. It has to be more. It has to involve the adults in some way. Because it's mainly about us two. I would say, look, when your kid is turning one, it's 100% about the adults, 0%. You could have an open bar at right. a one-year-old's party, and that would be like, yep, <laughs> this is a great party. Right. Two is when they get like maybe 30% of this, but still 70% about the adults. By the time what, she's only three, yeah, maybe it's 70-30, and that's pushing it. Right. What do you think? Hey, maybe they get 10% for every year. Potentially. So only by the time that they're 10 years old have they truly 
got into the age where they deserve 100% of the party to be about them. That's not a, I think that's not a bad equation. Uh, that seems a little late, though. Because if the idea is, like, when are they going to start remembering things? Like, she's, they're certainly going to be remembering by 10. Hey, look, at 7, they're still getting 70%. That's true. But I guess it kind of plays into, first of all, the movie I'm going to be talking about today, Inside Out. It's all about memories, right? Like, that's what Inside Out is kind of about. It's what I was talking about last week where we've got all these videos, right? And so is that going to start, like changing the composition of our brains where it's like you know they think that the reason that two and three year olds don't remember anything is because at two and three they're not practicing those skills right they're not having to recall stuff from their memory but now like I said like Sophia is watching a video of herself every single day sometimes the same video for a week straight so it's like how is that not practicing memory recall or whatever it's called. You know what I mean? When Indy was swimming with floaties, Mm -hmm. he asked me as soon as we got in the car and we're driving home, that was like his first time. That's a big moment for him. Right. He said, dad, did you get a picture of it? Mm -hmm. I was like, nope. He goes, did you take video? (laughs) I said, nope. He goes, why were you pointing your camera or the phone at me? And I said, I don't know. I wasn't, I didn't think about it or I wasn't, I just, I've, was looking at something else. I, uh-huh. He's like, oh, he seemed really disappointed. Yeah. And I was like, is that his expectation? Right. That you everything's know? going to be filmed? Right. Or like, documented somehow? Dad, this is huge for me. Yeah. Did you get that? Nope. And now he's just, he's devastated. <laughs> nope. I was uh, checking my fantasy baseball scores. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, I don't even think in those terms though yet. Yeah. I see a big moment. I go, great. I don't think... Hold on, let me set up my camera right. and get my camera out so I can get this. And what angle do I want to get from? And slow motion or no? Right. Well, I certainly don't think about it in terms of are they going to watch want to watch this in twenty years or even tomorrow. I'm thinking about it as like I want to be able to watch this when I'm. That's what I'm thinking in the moment. I'm thinking like when I'm. 60 years old, I want to be able to watch all this stuff. But then when it actually comes time for me to like dump all of my photos onto the computer and I'm sitting there for like 20 minutes at a time, I'm, I'm seeing like, <laughs> here's 600 photos and most of them are the same. It's just like, holy cow, I'm never, I'm not going to get to 60 and be able to parse through a billion photos of my kids. I'm just going to be overwhelmed, right? I'm potentially creating the opposite effect of what I want, Right. Whereas instead of like getting to 60 and saying like, here are the 10 defining videos of our family's time together, I'm going to be like, I've got over 5,000 videos here and I have no idea where to begin. Well, this is a whole separate tangent, but how do you think we'll be accessing our pictures by that point? Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be some kind of, you know throw all your crap on there and be like, Sophia, age six. Yeah. Like, anything from age six and can sort. That's true. That way. So I think right now you're supposed to be collecting the big pile of garbage pictures so that later on when the technology's invented, you can sort all that crap for you. You can just dump it in there. And I can just give all of those precious memories to Google. Yeah. And Google <laughs> will be like, 
Don't worry, we will sort through your stuff and determine which pictures <laughs> right. are worthy of reviewing. Right. We will take out all the ones that are duplicates. Lighting is not correct. Yeah. Smiles are not perfect. Right. Thanks, right. Google. <laughs> So let's before we get into it, let's we both have started watching True Detective. And instead of talking about it on this podcast, we have or it has its own dedicated podcast called Everything True Detective. It's a entirely separate feed. It's not going to show up in the feed um, for everything's interesting. So if you are watching True Detective and you're interested in that, go subscribe and we will be talking about that every single week for the next Eight weeks, I guess. There's eight episodes. Are there eight? There's either eight or ten. Yeah, I thought there was ten. I thought there was ten, too, but I keep seeing eight thrown around, so I'm not sure. Um, well, we'll get to the bottom of this on our other podcast. Right. But something I did watch that has a connection to Drew Detective is the show that premiered after Drew Detective called Ballers. You watched <laughs> yes. Ballers? I don't know why I watched oh. it. I think I watched it only because it was 30 minutes long. And I was like, let me see how bad this could possibly be. And it's uh, bad. It's as bad as you could possibly think it would be. I mean, I feel like in, and I, I'm not interested at all <clears throat> in that show. I was for a second interested when I thought it was actually about football. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's, it's like Entourage. It's like, right. Entourage is over. What other kind of cheap male fantasy right. can we? Throw up there now. Yeah. It's about just living in Miami and being awesome. Mm-hmm. So well, it's about like Rock. The Rock is a retired football player, and now he's getting into like sport management, or finances, something? something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, it's ripped from the headline stuff. You know what I mean? But it's also like it. You know, like ripped from what headlines? Like from uh, the NFL headlines. Found topless. Oh, yeah. The, no, yeah. It is like. This, this, um, it's about like domestic abuse, stuff like that. So, and I, and the controversy is that they're using the actual logos and team names and all that stuff, which I I guess they're legally allowed to do. I could not care less. Yeah. It's not, it's not worth any more time than the 45 seconds. We just talked about it. Great. I uh, want to see the pie chart on this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you watched, you rewatched the Deadwood? Yeah. So, series premiere? <clears throat> what I brought mean, that about? Okay, I don't want to tip my hand too much. I almost feel like maybe I should save this for um, the True Detective uh-huh. podcast, but Elise is on summer break. Right. So now we got a little more time at night to be like, all right, it's really late. What are we going to do now? So we watched True Detective. We're like, let's watch something else. And Deadwood was, I forget how, but it was right there. Uh I was like, let's watch Deadwood. And I was thinking, why do I want to watch Deadwood so bad? Mm -hmm. And I realized what it is after I watched Deadwood is subconsciously, I wanted to watch a show that featured some of the elements, if not most of the elements that Nick Pizzolatto tries to hit Mm -hmm. in his shows, but done 
exceptionally well. So you have a strong female character, right? Calamity Jane. Yeah. If you want to write like a tough as nails, you know, like female character, Calamity Jane in Deadwood is right now in my terms, culturally speaking, kind of like the platonic ideal Mm -hmm. where and all the characters I feel like are well-rounded in the sense that you get a sense of all of their personalities. So Calamity Jane, right there in the first episode, because you've seen Deadwood. Yeah. She is... I actually never saw the third season. Really? Mm -hmm. She is this kind of like abrasive, you know, tough Mm -hmm. woman making it in this uh, harsh kind of Western um, setting. And then at the end, she's confronted with this girl who's found from, you know, her family's been attacked Mm -hmm. and murdered. And you see this other side of her, but it all still fits as a co. You don't see David Milch like, okay, now I need to show her as being, you know, vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I'm going to write her as being a badass. So everyone thinks she's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's just organic. It's just organic writing. And Deadwood is as vice-filled as the city in True Detective, mm-hmm. but it feels more just real. And the mm-hmm. characters feel more real. Yeah. And I think that's that's what led me to Deadwood. And after that pilot episode... And I, I mean, the problem with Deadwood is that it just kind of ends. Got that's why I never watched the third season. Exactly. And... I was so mad at how they treated that last season i just was like i can't watch it i just can't do it and that's the thing you should be and i never thought i'd go back to deadwood because of it because i watched the third season Mm -hmm. i've i experienced the ending which is very very unsatisfying Mm -hmm. and i'm back in now i just want to watch all of season one again and season two yeah but yeah i just feel like so many times in film and movies and film and movies are the same thing. Television and film. <laughs> you have these people who are like trying to write this <clears throat> conflicted person or this badass woman. And probably not since, since Furiosa. I think Furiosa is extremely well written mm-hmm. and realized. Um, but before that, I felt like they all kind of fell into that. Same, like, okay, here we go. The tough, you know, uber tough right. person. Where it's just like, nobody, that's not relatable. Right. I, I can see what you're trying to do too much, right. right? Like, tone it down a bit. Find a way to balance. Doesn't mean that the person, like, can't have any emotion. Right. And so, anyway, Deadwood, filled with emotion, great characters, I yeah, love Deadwood it. is awesome. I love it. It's, it's awesome. Uh, and it features an actor from mm-hmm. True Detective, mm-hmm. the bartender, right? Mm-hmm. W. His name's W something. I can't remember. That. Yeah, well, that's the thing. In True Detective, there are a few people popping up around the edges. I was like, oh, man, look at yeah. that. All right. Well, I watched Inside Out, the new Pixar movie. We took our daughters to the movie theater on Sunday to see it. And... I think it will be it would be hard for me to separate that experience 
from the actual movie itself, you know, just taking my girls right. to the movie theater for the first time. Did they respond well to going to it or Sophia? Yeah, of- I mean, they loved going to it. They seemed to have a good time. They were really well behaved. But did they like like the building and stuff? Like, or, or did they just not register that? Yeah, I don't think they registered that as okay. much. Um, but they really liked being there. I, I'm not sure how much they actually liked the movie. You know what I mean? Which I think is some of the criticism a lot of people have with it, if any, is that it's not really a kid's movie. Um, I mean, there's parts of it that they liked, but I don't really think they could understand the base story as well as maybe Frozen or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, Because it is like it's all internal, right? It's all an internal struggle, basically. (laughs) But that's your abstract thought, honey. Right. (laughs) Um, But I absolutely loved the movie. And I think something that really caught me by surprise was how much thought went into the actual concept of the movie. So the idea of like, um, these are your inner voices. This is how they interplay with each other. And then it keeps on going like deeper and deeper and deeper. And like, here's how your memories are formed. And then here's where the memories go. And then here's how they form your personality. And here are like the pillars of your personality and stuff like this. And it's really um, impressive how much thought they put into it. Not that I think it's particularly accurate. You right, know I mean? right. Like you, we, can't, you can't have, you can have no world. idea how that really works. But the universe they create, I feel like, is very logically sound, as logically sound as it can be for the subject matter, which I thought was really impressive. Um so for and so for example, in the ways that some of the characters interplay with each other, so you have like uh, Joy, who's the sort of the main focus, um, and all of the other characters sort of center around her, and she kind of tries to bring everything back to the middle. There's a moment where she's let going, she's going to sleep for the night, and. As she's starting to fall asleep, the other characters uh, in her head, fear and anger and sadness, start to play a more prominent role. You know what I mean? Like as she's falling. As she's falling asleep, you know, because she's having one of those nights where it's like as you're trying to fall asleep, your mind just starts racing. You start thinking about all these things. But it's never like it's never called out. Right. Yeah. It's, It's never like. She's falling asleep now. You know what I mean? It just is like they sort of gradually start getting more and more anxious. And so there's a lot of little touches like that that I thought was really good. And I think why I'm so impressed with it is also kind of the same reason why it might not be that much of a kid's movie is because there's a lot of I felt like a lot of really deep uh, intelligent stuff in it about like emotions, very subtle, right? Very subtle things that I don't think you're going to pick up on unless you're really looking for it or thinking about it, which like I said, it's impressive to do in a kid's movie, but at the same time, like does that make it not a kid's movie? Right. And uh, when I was thinking about it and talking with you about it a little bit yesterday, um, I realized that, and this might be a, somewhat of a weird comparison, but it I, I feel like it has as much, if not more, to say about depression than 
or just, you know, maybe like mental health than the Babadook did. Cause I feel like the Babadook, um, it, it, the, the representation of depression in the Babadook is more of a, an external one and kind of like, it's been externalized from her. Right. Exactly. And like how it, um, how it can sort of like consume you and overtake you and how it sort of changes how you start dealing with the world. Whereas in uh, Inside Out, I feel like it's obviously it's more of an internal representation because you're dealing with the inside of this little girl's mind. But the way it's manifested in this is she starts um, as this, you know, quote unquote sadness starts to uh overtake different parts of her emotions. She has these um, five pillars of her personality, basically. Um, one is family. One is, you know, like her the goofiness she has with her family. One is hockey, which is her hobby. And one is, I don't know. There's a couple. Another one. Right. <laughs> and as... Um, she starts getting more and more sad, right? Or she starts feeling more disconnected with her emotions and with her environment. These pillars just start to crumble and destroy and fall away. And so she no longer has the ability to be goofy. She no longer is interested in playing hockey or really has the ability to play hockey. And so I thought that was just a really uh, interesting representation of, for me it was an interesting representation of depression. Now, again, like the Babadook, it's not there. There's at no point in this movie is that word even said or even hinted at. It's never brought up. Well, it's weird that they bring up the Babadook. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's haunted by the Babadook (laughs) in a crossover. (laughs) So that's just what I'm pulling from the movie. How is it in terms of scariness and also emotional... Like, does it end in an emotional moment? Or are there emotional moments that a, a, a intuitive kid could pick up on? Like, they are very sad right now. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Yeah. It mm-hmm. ends with the main girl, like, bawling her eyes out, basically. Um, yeah, there are a lot of moments like that. Uh, and like we were saying in the beginning, something that has for some reason I've, I've been thinking a lot about, but I can't really put my finger on why or why it's affected me in this way. But it's just this idea of memories. And there are moments in the movie where it's like, they're just recalling a memory of the little girl, you know, hugging her parents or something. Right. And it is so emotional, right? And I don't know what it is about this idea of well, to me it makes me think of you you watched A World of Tomorrow. That was one of our segments. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and that takes on a similar idea it sounds like where the premise of the short is basically this clone of a clone of a clone of a clone of a cloned version of this little girl is now using time travel right. to come back for the sole purpose of retrieving one memory that she 
can't access, that she doesn't have access to. And the memory, when she actually extracts it, is of the little girl, like, holding a hand, holding her mother's hand, Mm -hmm. walking or something. And that's it. Mm -hmm. That's, That's the memory. And I think, you know, for me, that's something that, hit me at the moment in the moment, but definitely afterwards, like stayed in my brain mm-hmm. of like, you know, what memory there's also eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Mm-hmm. It always stuck with me when he is in his basically long-term memory mm-hmm. and he's getting like bathed in a sink. Mm-hmm. And as he's getting bathed, he's like, all he said, it's like a theory line where he's like, it's, it's strange how comforting this feels. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's it's impressions, right? Especially when you're a kid. Um, those are the memories that are most real and visceral. The way that your family makes you feel, the way that your parents make you feel. I think that's what ties us to each other for so long. Because there are so many times where family members, you're like, wow, if we weren't family... Mm-hmm. I would not be friends with this person, right? But you still, you love them so much, right? And I think it's because of those central memories that Mm -hmm. you don't even remember exactly what happened, but it's this feeling of belonging or, Mm -hmm. you know, all that. And and I don't know, I think think memory, when you get down to it, is kind of all that we have left when you get down to it, mm-hmm. right? At the end of your life, what what do you have? Mm-hmm. You don't have money. You know, you're dying. You don't have anything. You don't have your health, obviously. Um, but you have your memories. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think there's power in that. And I think now that I think about it, some of my favorite pieces of art and culture have kind of centered around this idea of Memory, we, you know, I talked about Tree of Life the other week. Mm-hmm. Totally about memory. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, did you see the Vince Mancini review of Inside Out or have you heard anything about I it? I did. I did. And I, I saw somebody link to it and then I followed the guy who linked to the, his review. They got into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't like really fighting, but he was. But Mancini was kind of like, and I like I, I've the little that I've read and heard from him. I think he's a funny guy. I think oh, really? He's, yeah, he's from Film Drunk. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I think he's a funny guy. But I think that Inside Out review again, I haven't seen. But reading and the tone and did what you, so he, you read the review right, and what he was trying to do, he did not execute right. it. And and that was his defense of he wasn't saying like he didn't execute. But he's like, I was just trying to show the absurdity of me approaching this film, right? right? And trying to like, I'm a 30 year old guy riding on my bike, you know, and that kind of false self deprecation where he's trying to be self deprecating, but he's not, he's still strangely like, right. Kind of bragging right. in a weird way. It just yeah. doesn't work at all. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, but I will say that I, I, as much as people want to dismiss it, I think there is some legitimacy to the, idea of like I at least for me personally I would I can't say that I wouldn't have liked the movie if I were not a parent but it certainly has a completely different and probably more fulfilling meaning to me as a 
father of of a daughter specifically, but just as a father in general. You mean I can't? I you know I I I've said as much to you when I saw Wally right when I yeah. when I was living in Arizona. Yeah, I was living in Arizona by myself. I went to go see Wally at the theater by myself, and I was in line with literally nothing but parents and their young kids. And I felt like a total creep. But I was like, well, I want to see this movie, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and if, yeah, if that's the tone he's going for, yeah, it, it really doesn't work. But I was, so Inside Out has received pretty much universal praise. So I wanted to try and get an opposite opinion. Or I figured with the way the internet is, there has to at least be some sort of, like well bubbling out. yeah uprising coming mm-hmm. so i and the closest thing i found was this vince mancini thing um which like you said he tries to point out like the the absurdity of of him watching and reviewing this movie so then i clicked on his name to see what other <laughs> things he yeah. had written and this is the title of the very latest thing he wrote Food Network Star Power Rankings, Week 3, Trendy Dinner. And it's like, maybe you should, maybe that's what you should be focusing on the absurdity of and not like (laughs) this movie that actually has a lot of meaning to it. You know what I mean? Right. And the byline is, with Matthew the obnoxious twink gone, the contestants had to cook something stinky, slimy incendiary and raw and it's like how can you write a thousand words about week three of food network star with a straight face but you couldn't do it for inside out you know what i mean yeah and and i think that there is something in inherently this is where it's a side tangent definitely maybe for another show because i was actually thinking about it based off of what he wrote about inside out and the little dust up that was between him and another critic where the other critic was kind of giving a little pushback but they were both trying to agree with each other and get out of it as quickly as possible but he clearly was not willing to just be like you're right it's not the best article i ever wrote right is that that's where the critical, th- this idea of the critic as a cultural pariah comes from, is that in the end, they are not accountable to anybody, especially if they're an online critic, mm-hmm. because people generally know what they write and are just feeding into it. Like, we like your writing, keep writing that. Mm. And there's no check or balance for it. And there's no idea of like, how did some of these people get to where they are? Yeah. You know, in some of the people that I read, you realize that you're like, make a reference or you listen to a podcast. It's like, yeah, so my wife uh, had to go somewhere for, you know, her doctor stuff. And I was like, are you just bankrolled basically? Like, yeah, I mean, is that, is that your credential? Yeah. You know, like somebody just has the money to pay for your domain name. Right. And who cares how many people go to your site? You're just like, yeah, I'm a critic, you know? Yeah. And, and that's where I feel like this idea of the, of the critic as this kind of, you know, mocked mm-hmm. cultural persona mm-hmm. in, in films come from. I, I value critics but I think that there's a danger that you do like, yeah, he has no self-awareness. Why would he? 
you know? And so he can write like, I just, I'm in a bad mood or whatever. Yeah, I think it's absurd that I have to go see Inside Out. So that's what I'm going to write about. Mm -hmm. But I'm being paid to write about Top Chef. Right. That's what I'm writing about, you know? It's it it does get a little Dada-esque and, and absurdist, but uh what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh you watched a movie called Calvary? I did. I watched this was my second time. It's a new movie or an it's old from, movie? It's from it's from twenty fourteen. Okay. And it's by um the guy who did um The Guard which is a movie I know I've recommended to you. I don't know if you've seen it with Don Cheadle and um, Brendan Gleeson. And he's the brother of John Michael McDonough, the guy who did In Bruges, mm-hmm. Seven Psychopaths, I love. And then his brother is now doing um, The Guard and Calvary. Mm-hmm. And Calvary is about a Irish priest who... It opens, he's in a confessional, and somebody comes in a confessional and basically says, I was molested by a priest when I was a kid. I'm going to kill you in seven days. Not because you had anything to do with it, but because you're a good priest. You're a good man. And I think it's saying more if a good priest is killed than if a priest is killed who deserves it. And the guy leaves... And mm-hmm. then you're left with this priest who's like, you know, how serious is this mm-hmm. threat? He also seems to be kind of in a malaise. Um, kind of a identity crisis. Mm-hmm. And it kind of follows him over the next week as he's dealing with the people of the town, dealing with this threat, dealing with his daughter. And I think it says everything about religion now mm-hmm. i think it's a perfect parable for the age we live in and my feelings about religion mm-hmm. basically and i was with my wife and someone else and they were like what should we watch and i was like calvary's good show them the trailer They're like let's watch it as soon as it started i was like oh no this is Way too specific to me, you know, Mm -hmm. like not everybody wants to, because it is pretty much about religion. And I mean, it's, it's a hard R, so it's not like it's like playing for religious audience. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of its subtext, but they both ended up really liking it. So I was like, oh, maybe it is just a good film on its own, but I think it definitely has more resonance if you have some connection to religious thought or the culture and I think everybody in the film, I think it's richer. I'm not going to spoil it if anybody wants to watch it, but I think it's richer if you view the people in the, in the town as being representative of a cultural type of person. Mm -hmm. So these are not people who are fully fleshed out individuals. They are representing a larger whole because sometimes the way that they act and the way they act towards the priest, you're like, whoa, like what, what did he do to you? Mm-hmm. You know, calm down. Yeah. But I think they're, they're each playing a different type of skeptic or, um, I think, I think he's even drawing on one character a parallel to, you know, kind of this hipster culture 
um, and how they deal with difficult things in their life and how they respond to it. Mm-hmm. So to me, again, we kind of got into this a few weeks ago or last week where we were talking about how much is can films comment on themselves to explain mm-hmm. away some of the issues. I think this film is, is fully a commentary on the culture. And I think it does have a good narrative if you just follow it through, but I think it's a lot richer if you look at it as more of uh, a parable about religion in today's age. Does it make a case for killing the good priest being more of a statement? Because that seems like a weird premise to me or is that just like this guy's crazy well yeah i think i think this guy's kind of unhinged right. and and does kind of come out where it's like i mean i think too the, the commentary i think it is making more of a commentary but without getting into the plot details i will say isn't it a commentary to say your act of violence doesn't make sense but there's no way that we could justify your act of violence it's it doesn't matter if the man did assault him or if the man is innocent, mm-hmm. killing him is not the right answer. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no way to justify what he's going to do. And. So, okay. So is there, so is the death penalty not the right answer for a child molester? Well, I think, I think we both agree vigilante justice is not the answer, right? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I'm not saying that nobody deserves to die mm-hmm. for what they've done, but I'm saying in this way to go up to somebody and say, you, I mean, you know, fill in whatever, right? Like you killed my kid. You killed my family. Like in seven days, you were a drunk driver. In seven days, I'm going to kill you. It's not. So you... I guess for me, it's this, it's kind of in this, that question is in the same territory as the cannibal cop stuff, right? Where it's like, I, as someone completely removed from the situation, I can look at the cannibal cop stuff and say, it's, uh, if he goes to jail, it's basically thought crime, right? Like, he, and, and again, this is the cannibal cop who didn't actually kill anybody or right. eat anybody he but was just fantasized on, about right, it fantasizing about it on online online websites right. whereas if that were my family if that was my sister he was talking about i would be i, I probably would find it harder to hold to those convictions right whereas if as I can sit here and say, yeah, vigilante justice is not the answer. But if it was my kid that was molested or my brother or sister that was molested, I would probably have no problem whatsoever with somebody killing that guy. Somebody, right? Yeah. I mean, like you can you have the right to feel however you want to feel about anybody. You know, Mm -hmm. a guy could cut me off in the road. And I could for a split second think, I hope you get hit by a truck, right? right. And then immediately after, I'd be like, oh, whoa, why do, mm-hmm. why did I wish that, right? So, <laughs> right. no, I think, I think that that's fine, right? You could, but it's never okay to then pay somebody to kill that person, or it's never the right decision, you know, in this case, to throw away not your life, but the whole life of 
you know, your family all for vengeance. But what if you could get away with it? Now what we're talking. What if I told you I had no. the perfect plan? Let's turn this podcast <laughs> off. I want to hear about your perfect murder. This is, I'm in. Um, you recently got a 3DS. Well, I didn't. Your son did. Basically, it's the cheapest summer camp we could think of. Right. We love video games. Mm-hmm. And I traded in a bunch of stuff to make it, you know, uh, affordable. Yeah. And he currently only has one game. So, <laughs> uh, actually, we just got one more on sale, but we got Mario Kart uh-huh. 7 because it's the latest one they have for the DS. Uh-huh. And I I just kind of brought it over um, just to kill some time while you're dealing with uh, your daughters uh-huh. and decided I'm going to play it, see what it's about. And I was playing without the 3D function because I'm so used to now being back to not i'm not suspect of 3d anymore i outright dismiss it yeah you know i feel like 3d had its time it's stupid it's stupid it's stupid can you see it though so when it's turned on right so i i've never really and i was playing with it on with the 3d turned off i was like what am i doing like this mm-hmm. is a 3ds right mm-hmm. let me turn this on it's just like a slider. Right. So it makes you feel so like, <laughs> do I push this plastic slider on for the experience of my life? Right. Or do I just leave this plastic Seems slider down? significant, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> to change your entire perspective. Right. Yeah. Uh, don't break it. Be, be gentle. <laughs> but that will change your life. So I pushed it up and I start playing, doing a race. And before I know it, I'm like immersed. I'm really? like... This is awesome. This is incredible. And, you know, again, you don't need glasses or anything. And I'm playing it, and I'm like, and it's subtle, too, where I just get sucked right in. I thought, am I going to be like, you know, if I turn my head too much, it'll be Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's all blurry, or parts of it will be blurry or whatever. Because the graphics besides that aren't phenomenal, you know. Um, But it was really, really good. It's, It's really, really awesome. And then it made me think about VR. So everybody now is on about virtual reality. Mm-hmm. And out of the latest E3 conference, they're showing Morpheus and Oculus and all this stuff. And people are going back and forth, right? Is it the next big thing? No, it's a fad. It's whatever I need to experience for myself. I only have the 3DS to compare it to. But... Based on my interaction with a glasses, glasses less. Glassless. Yeah, yeah. Glasses less. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's tough to say. Anyway, glasses less 3D experience. That would be incredible to have it immerse you. So if I could even put something on, and that's more than glasses, it's a headset. Mm-hmm. But if I could put on a headset and kind of look around and the world to be half as mm-hmm. realized as Mario Kart 7 uh-huh. for the Nintendo DS I think I'd be pretty amazed I think I'd be pretty happy with it mm-hmm. um I know that's not a one for one comparison but it's the best I have to go on now I just feel like you're losing out on so much by doing that because you're no longer first of all you're guaranteeing 
you're not guaranteeing you are you're you're one of the you're you're one of the restrictions is that you now have to be in a room by yourself cuz you're not going to sit on the couch with your wife and put on a th- headset and do some VR thing while she's sitting there like on the Facebook or whatever you know well, what I mean? Aren't you? No. <laughs> Why not? Because it just seems so rude. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, I you're, you're not going to watch a movie that way. No, are, no, no, no. Are no. you going to sit on a couch and you and your wife put on headsets and watch a movie that way? Well, no. I was kind of thinking we're doing our own thing. That's what I'm saying. It's a solo experience. Now, that I'm, is I'm the biggest. I'm telling you right now, you would never feel comfortable putting on an Oculus Rift <laughs> and playing a game while somebody else is in the room with you. Excuse me, honey, I need to go. Well, exactly. I mean, it's it's interesting. <clears throat> okay, there are some downsides that I see. I'm just talking about the experience, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about sure. socially or whatever. Yeah. I'm just saying the, the, the ability to be immersed in a gaming experience, my very minor experience with it on my uh-huh. set, on my 3DS, <laughs> seven-year-old's, Six-year-olds, 3DS uh-huh. is uh, is what I'm talking about here. Is interesting. Mm-hmm. Like it, it I could see it working. Now, outside of that, you run into a whole lot of problems. It's solo, mm-hmm. not good, right? Um, I watched a video from somebody playing a, a horror game called Kitchen, mm-hmm. and it's just people freaking out, right? And it makes me think, okay, either this is a learned behavior that we are going to have to develop where people put on a VR set and don't scream <laughs> or apartment complexes across the nation <laughs> right. are soon going to be filled yeah. with people screaming at the top of their lungs. This guy, and he was like apparently out in the open, right? And he's some guy like he was filming himself. But he's like... Screaming the F word, and you hear the people like or they're like shh, shh, like trying to not, and he he can't not do that. Mm-hmm. And he's like high pitched, screaming, screaming the F word as loud as he can, you know. And I'm like, that is either a learned behavior, or we're going to have a whole generation of people who need to die out. I think those people we're not are just dramatic. You're just doing it for attention. I, I mean, maybe, but but it showed like, you know, it's one of those things like with PT, like their sizzle reel was like, watch just these other people just play. And they, and somebody made a point. I don't even remember how I got this deep in on it. I wasn't, I wasn't that interested, <laughs> but I saw somebody wrote a little comment where they were like, I think somebody else was like that. They were like dismissing it. Mm-hmm. And somebody else was like, well, look, just put yourself in their situation. You can't get away from it. Right? Like. You're seeing something scary and you turn your head in any other games game like system, you're now away from it. You're looking at your house, mm-hmm. you're looking at your friend or whatever, you can kind of get through it. Mm-hmm. This you turn and you're still in the same place. So it's like, where do you like that would induce panic? You, you know? just take the headset off. Okay, exactly. You take the headset off, but that's something that you have to like. Physically, it's not as easily accessible, and it's the game that you're playing. Like, can you imagine if you're playing a game and you have to like start and stop by taking off your entire headset? That's why I and, would like, never do it. Exa- well, okay, you exactly. But I'm talking about <laughs> where the experience is right now, uh-huh. right? 
So anyway, where the experience is right now, I I foresee that being the bigger issue of people just shrieking their heads off playing this and you being like, is are people being murdered in my apartment complex or condo mm-hmm. area, you know? Mm-hmm. The well, I won't get into it. I've I've said my piece. Um, but I will say I'm maintaining my opinion that none of this stuff is going to be mainstream popular until it fits in a contact lens or in your prescription glasses. It's nobody wants to watch 3D by putting on 3D glasses. All of this is step one. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. But it's it's going to be a long time. Yeah. Well, you need to do this step to get there. Right. You've also been playing Banner Saga, which I think you talked about on last episode, right? You got it on the Steam sale? Yeah, I talked about it. If I talked about it last time, I'll be. I'll just say I've played more of it. Because mm-hmm. I think last week I was just starting. So It was just an introduction. This is an update. Um, sure. Banner Saga is awesome. Mm-hmm. Apparently there's a Banner Saga 2 mm-hmm. uh, in development or coming out at some point. Uh, I If you did not pick up Banner Saga in the Steam sale... I say start putting money aside. Uh-huh. If you like tactical turn-based strategy games like I do, I hate reactionary games. My reflexes aren't that good, and I don't want to develop fast reflexes. Right. I don't like that, like, look how fast I can twitch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I like, give me my time. Let me pause this game for as long as I want while I figure out my next move. Mm-hmm. And Banner Saga is great. But also... De- you know, delivers a really great story. And the other thing that I can say that I actually really enjoy about it, which is not regular for PC games, mm-hmm. it starts super quick. The older I get, the more I realize I want my games to start quick. Mm-hmm. Loading screens are just a death nail for <clears throat> me playing it. Yeah, It's so weird and it's so petty. I know it is. But Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which I have enjoyed... Number one, it's so overwhelming as far as a game. And number two, the loading screen, even on that, it's just like, oh, I got to sit through 30 seconds of load screen. Forget it. Banner Saga. I click twice. It's like, want to resume your game? Yep. Play for a little bit. Drop out and feel comfortable being like, I can drop out and pick this up whenever I want. Yeah. And have it be quick, not get back into the world. What port am I in? I'm halfway towards this 15-minute journey that I need to take. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in Black Flag. So I, out of all my Steam sale games that I've played, I've played a little bit of Gone Home. Talk to you a little bit about mm-hmm. that one. I, I want to play a little more before I talk about it. The Stanley Parable, mm-hmm. which I've heard good things about. But out of all the ones I've played, and I've gotten a few others, Banner Saga is the clear winner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about something that I've run into in uh, Destiny, but not just uh, Destiny. It's the Reddit community in Destiny. So I've been starting to get really active on the Destiny subreddit, commenting a lot. I've posted a few things. And Are you I, now in? That's that's something that I always feel like with Reddit and their sub-communities. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like they're, they're almost like clicks where it's like, if you're new, they're like, no. Right. Or, or, or there's like, are you in yet? Have you been accepted? Well, judging on the reaction to this post I'm about to talk about, I'm okay. definitely on the outs. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm okay. not, not in the uh, 
cool group on I, there. I'm anxious to hear what you've done to offend. Yeah. The, uh... So my idea is basically, so the, so the majority of destiny is RNG based. It's a random number generator, right? So your rewards for any given activity is random. It just selects a thing at random for whatever the loot pool for that activity is. And that's how weapons work. It's how your armor works. It's how currency works. Everything is random. Um, and one of the aspects that is random is you you can get shaders, right? And the only thing a shader does is change the color of your armor. That's it. And um, because Bungie has made the APIs for Destiny public, people can go into the, Des- the Destiny APIs and see what items are in the database. So you can get a comprehensive list of everything that exists in the game without actually having got it, right? So we know that there's at least 100 different shaders in the game. And yet, there's maybe five or six that drop on a regular basis. So that's so you're leaving 80 to 90 that people just never see uh, or they are extremely rare. So my thought was basically the shader pool for the loot drops needs to be rebalanced, right? I've played this game at this point over 700 hours. There's no reason why I should still have gotten nothing but the same five shaders, right? And that's all it was. But my problem was with the title of my post. And the title of my... So you mistitled it. I mistitled it. And I went back and I admitted it. I admitted it in the, you know, because you can edit the body of the post afterwards. And so I went back and even edited it afterwards. The very first thing was like, look, I know it's a bad title. This is what the title should be. It's too late. My title was uh, Shaders. Some My title was something like Shaders Should Not Be the Rarest Item in Destiny. Um, which... I think on a surface level sounds right because it's something as insignificant as a shader. It sounds right, yeah. This is exciting. This right. I'm going to see the inner but, workings of okay. this click. But at the same time, do you want an extremely powerful weapon to be the rarest item in the game? Because now all of a sudden the people who are lucky enough to have they gotten it that. randomly are going to be way overpowered. So really this, the idea that this cosmetic item that has literally no effect on gameplay whatsoever probably should be the rarest in terms of balance, which is fine. I agree to that. That that is such a click thing to get upset about. Right. This is exciting. And everybody was upset. Yeah. But this is what I wanted to talk about because the majority of their responses started calling me uh, entitled, whiny, and all of this stuff. Yeah. And so I found I find it interesting this argument of the argument is basically and multiple people said this in this thread just because you bought this game does not mean you're entitled to these items and on one sense i understand what they're thinking is because the mechanics in the game are such that it is random and that you don't get them based on what you do which just is random but at the same time by definition I am entitled to those things because I bought this game, mm-hmm. right? Well, okay. So I'm just trying to process this and play devil's advocate too. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like 
what are you paying money for? Are you with your $60 expecting a hundred percent of the experience that this game has to offer? Or are you paying to be allowed the experience that this game offers? I think those are two different things. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. At the same time, I feel like, and again, I'm, I'm all I was arguing for is a rebalancing of that pool. I'm not saying I paid $60, give me access to all 100 shaders. All I'm saying is let's throw in more than five or six shaders into the pool. Or let's take whatever the percentage is for those other 90 shaders or maybe just take 50 of them and up their percentages so they drop more often. But anyways, I, it, just, it just seems weird to me that we that I am the consumer, we are consumers, we are buying a product, and and yet it, this community has come to the mindset of like, just because I paid full price for this doesn't mean I get everything it has to offer. That seems like a weird mindset to be in. Like with, like with Street Fighter, right? So you buy Street Fighter for $60, and... You get, let's say there's 15 characters in the game. You start off with five. And in order to get the other 10, you have to do these certain things. But you don't have them right off the bat. But they're also still giving you a path to get get those other things. Whereas in Destiny, it's like part of my argument was that I could play the game for 10,000 hours and still never see some of the things that's in the game just because it's random. Yeah, and I think... I think you're also getting close to the downloadable content, you know, question right. two, where it's like, what value is my $60 worth now mm-hmm. in games? And especially when you have other deals that are going on where there are certain games where it's like, blah, blah, blah. If you, it's only for PS4, Batman has a extra cape. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I mean, so is that, worth $61 and right. you, you know what I mean like how do you quantify the content that you're putting or leaving out of your game right. you know do I get a 50 cent refund because I don't have access to that cape or, or, or whatever it is but I think I can understand the idea of I just traded in a game that I did not play a lot of I did not pay full price for it because I buy it on sale and everything mm-hmm. but I felt I got my money's worth Based on what I played. Right. So for me, from that angle, I wasn't paying to experience everything in the game. I was just paying to have that experience and then move on. So I think that's where they're coming from. And Mm. I can absolutely see that. But I can fundamentally see where they they don't understand where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's one of my fears of you open yourself up to the internet. And there are people who are thinking way more minutely about points Mm -hmm. that you can't just say a generalization anymore yeah because they're going to call you out on that one little point that's like okay you got yes but don't crucify me now to this you know post right because i did not accurately convey don't ignore every single else every other thing i'm saying in here just because i this one thing is missing and and your your reddit is posted to you so now people know like in the like, if anybody got offended about that, right. and they see you in, oh yeah, they're gonna be like, "That's the entitled guy." Right? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You you'll get tagged in all stuff, and not only that, it's like people were going through because I'm also trying to comment and keep up with people. People were just going through and downvoting every single thing I comment, regardless. And it got to a point where it was like one guy was just commenting, was like, "Look, you seem like a really nice guy, uh, and I appreciate the thought you put into this post, but I disagree with you." And it's like, and so I responded to that guy. I was like, "Hey, thanks. Thank you. Like, I appreciate that. Thank you very much." But it's interesting that you also bring that up because that was the other thing, another issue I had with Destiny, especially with this latest announcement they made of the big content update that's coming in September. I I paid $60 for the game. I paid $90 for the game, actually, because I bought it with the season pass. But I paid $60 for the base game. Someone on PlayStation 4 pays $60 for the base game. And because of console exclusives, they get way more content than I got when I paid $60. And that seems fundamentally wrong to me. Like, they're getting extra missions. They're getting extra strikes. They're getting extra weapons. Like, they got a significant, especially in a game when it first came out, that was heavily criticized for not having a whole lot of content to then make even more of that console exclusive And so the biggest problem I've had now is I don't get any of that stuff until a year after the game's released. So one year later, all of that console exclusive stuff on the PS4 comes to the Xbox. Are we there yet? No. September is when we'll be there. So at E3 or a few weeks before maybe, they announced even more content in this new content update that comes out in September. And a part of that... $40 content update on Xbox and PS4. The PS4 is getting way more content that is console exclusive for that for another year. So they've already, in the course of nine months, announced huge amounts of content that are console exclusive, even though I'm paying the exact same price for the game on a different console. That really bugs me. And it's like, yeah, I'm getting it a year later. It just seems... Like, that seems like a really big issue that the video right. game industry is going to have to recognize. Yeah, yeah, soon. because because what other industry does that, right. right? Like, no other industry can say, if you watch my movie in North America and Canada, I've included, you know, 40 extra seconds. Right. Of, or, like, can you imagine if Marvel was like, hey, China, stay late, we put an extra bonus scene for you right people would lose their minds right. no, they would yeah, lose their, their like, minds over just if a you little... buy this issue at barnes and noble you get five extra pages you know what i mean that's basically <laughs> what they're doing extra... i like that yeah uh, who knows what the pages are <laughs> in what order could be the very first page could be different yeah um okay moving on You've been listening to Leon Bridges. He's a, I want to say, Go like ahead, a say country it. singer? No. Oh, okay. Wrong. Soul singer? Yes. Okay. By by the way, um, Jesse Balin watch. <laughs> yeah. Still going strong. Is it? Listen to her. Uh, it's been about two weeks, but she's still in the rotation. Uh-huh. At least every two weeks I go back to the album. I wouldn't say that's very strong, but... Well, we'll see. That's by my standards. Yeah. Uh, Where you listen to one album for a year. That's right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. 
Um, so Leon Bridges, his album is coming out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Or okay, either tomorrow or next week. Mm-hmm. It's on NPR first listen okay. right now, though. So actually, it's probably next week. I, I can't remember. Anyway, whenever it's out, mm-hmm. Leon Bridges, people need to download it. Um, so I listened to, I've been listening to the tracks as they've come out. And then I followed him like live performances and stuff like that. The guy is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I listened to his full album and I really liked it. The one thing that I will say, and he is young, depressingly oh, young. Oh, really? Yeah. He's got such an old name. Well, and he's got an old sound. Like mm-hmm. the first time I heard him, um, I played it. Somebody put a link on Twitter. I played it and I was like, oh, why are there so many lost like Motown R&B singers? Like I love that music. And mm-hmm. I was like, I can't like discover quick enough. Then these old guys keep popping up, you know? And then I... Like typed him to hear more music, and it's like he doesn't have an album out yet. He's mm-hmm. twenty five, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So he's just got this great old sound. He's twenty five. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I will say is, and he's he's refreshingly seems just kind of um, unpretentious about himself. He's a white guy or a black guy? Black guy. Okay, and he dresses like he's from the fifties, but. He does in a way that, again, is not pretentious. It's mm-hmm. not like, look at me. It's just kind of like, this is how I like to dress. This is the music that I like. This is why I create. Mm-hmm. I think it comes back to the fact that he's a great creator of music that kind of justifies some of those things. But anyway, I watched a video he put out for his latest single, mm-hmm. Smooth Sailing. And that was the one time where I was like, okay, this guy is, <laughs> he'll get better. He'll get better. <laughs> But uh, smooth sailing, it's just like, it's, it reminded me of Talladega Nights, where uh, Will Ferrell's character is like giving, Ricky Bobby is giving an interview and his hands just slowly start creeping up <laughs> in the frame of the camera. He's like, I don't, I don't know what to do with my hands. Mm-hmm. And Leon Bridges just like, it's like frenetic action around the microphone Yeah, that you can tell he just, it's like he doesn't know what to do yeah. with his hands, especially. But regardless of that, don't watch the video, but just listen to the music. It's okay. Well, not you because you're gonna oh <laughs> you're gonna say something about it and it's gonna be like, well, I mean, yeah, it's okay. All right. Well, I won't check it out then. Have you listened to the last Sufjan Stevens album? No, I don't listen to Sufjan Stevens. No. If you want to recommend it, I will. Well, I'm recommending Leon Bridges. Do with it what you will. And if you want to update next week and tell us what you think about the Leon right. Bridges album. Maybe I will. I'll be open to it. Um, I wanted to talk briefly about the uh, WTF with Obama. You said you weren't going to listen. Did you hold to that? You haven't listened to it? I, li- I know. It just came out today. I know Obama drops the N-word. Mm-hmm. Which is whatever. And no, exactly. And it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of exactly. I feel like it was exactly what. I said yesterday in regards to this, which is, yeah, you know, Obama's going to be on WTF. He's going to 
he, it's been vetted. Mark right. Maron's not going to get some special, and anything that he does is going to be within the context of this is safe to be edgy about. Right. And so I was like, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to listen to a guy who's vetted. The experience is like, it's a roller coaster, right? It's on rails. It doesn't matter how crazy it gets. It's not going off yeah. the rails. It's like, why waste my time? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting as, I guess, like, a, it's just interesting to in that, in, in seeing how popular podcasts have become. Yeah, but the interview itself is is pretty boring, and it just is. It's pretty straightforward. Him doing like, it's not like straight up policy talk, but it's pretty much policy talk. No, of course, it's like you know Obama on Jimmy Fallon, right? Okay, yeah, you know, and I like Obama. I would love to listen to Obama, but yeah. not in a public setting that that's that controlled. Yeah. Where you know, in Mark Maron, he's not like. A super like um, bulldog journalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to the bottom of this right. surveillance. <laughs> Drones, Obama. Let's talk about it. game that I recommended last week. Yeah, Fallout Shelter, I think, is fun. It's not yet reached the levels. Like, I'm still playing Hearthstone, Uh and if I have a few minutes, and they're right next to each other on my phone, I'm usually, like, always just clicking Hearthstone. Hearthstone, yeah. It's not going to reach that level. It's boring. Well, yeah. I mean, it feels like it's, it's still in the vein of tapped out or you know what all those games i've played where you like set something up you get it going and once it's going it's like yeah i'll check back in every now and again right but i'm not compelled yeah and see i have never played those types of games just because i've always been turned off by the like the waiting to play mechanic and i didn't really realize what that that this is that fallout shelter was that because for the most part, it starts off pretty, maybe quickly is not the right word, but because it's not explaining a whole lot to you, you feel like you're figuring a lot out. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I felt the first couple hours. But then after that, I was just kind of like, okay, now I'm just literally <laughs> watching this screen for 15 <laughs> minutes at a time waiting for something to happen. For something, right. So I was like, well, this kind of stinks. And it has now been taken off my phone already. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it goes from a recommend <laughs> to off your phone. That's right. It's gone. Dang, you don't play around. Nope. I don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah, I've got Destiny to play. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so what's your recommendation? So my recommendation is a little um, abstract. Okay. And I... I'm interested in maybe how you take this. Maybe maybe we need to develop it a little further. Okay. But I was thinking about Lava, the short 
before Inside Out that you uh-huh. watched. Did you see it? Or no. you've only read about it? Well, I heard from you, and then I listened to a podcast where people were just like, what is this travesty? Yeah. Except for, oh, it was, it was Slash Film, and Jeff Kanata loved it. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> he loved it. Uh-huh. And he, like, literally could not, it got to the point where he was like, hold on, guys, explain to me why this is, like, I uh-huh. don't understand how this is bad. Uh-huh. So it got me thinking about the other shorts that they've done. And I was like, I wonder if Justin has seen them. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what he thinks about them. And so Pixar has a lot of shorts. Mm-hmm. I They actually have like a box set of their shorts. I remember it played on, I don't know where it was playing, but at least I watched it. Mm-hmm. We've seen them all, except for a select few. But I'm not interested in some of the stuff they were doing when they were an early company. They have stuff going back to like the eighties when they were toying around with stuff. Mm -hmm. That's just not good. And then some stuff that they played between or before their early, um, films, like even the toy stories, um, that I'm not interested in. Mm -hmm. Like it's like old eighties stuff and they're just tack it on in front of that. What I am interested in is the shorts Starting at 2000 with Monsters, Inc. Okay. So my recommendation for you is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine shorts. Okay. That I want you. And you can watch. And I figure, you know, with your girls, like you could sure. pull them up, find them online, whatever. Watch those nine shorts and report back. And I want to report back right. now, now that you've seen Lava and you've apparently established it's, your it is so ridiculous your basement Lava is so ridiculous yeah I it's, want you I want you both to see if there's something worse and then also to realize that Pixar is better than Lava so <laughs> I, I'm doing this also to kind of it's not going to take much to be better right. than Lava <laughs> there's maybe one other again I haven't seen Lava there's one short in that list of nine that. I think is pretty bad, but other than uh, that, I think they're pretty good. All right, well, that does it. Um, we're going to be recording a true detective, right? That's what it's called. True detective podcast right after this. So if you're interested in true detective, uh, I'll link to it in the show notes, uh, which you can find on e at eipodcast.com. I thought you were uh, going to say at eHarmony. <laughs> <laughs> Did you start an eHarmony for us? Yeah. <laughs> For our podcast, of all the things. I if you're looking, Twitter, are you looking for a podcast e to take with you on your lonely walks? Um. Oh, speaking of which, you've been listening to Everything Is Interesting. That's the name of the podcast. Uh, my name is Justin Blizzard. I'm Keith Krepko. Um. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Blizzard with nine Z's. Keith. I'm at Things Come right, right, and I keep threatening to change it. You still haven't figured it out. Huh? Well, it can't happen. I still believe that. You oh, need to show right. me. All right. Well, I've because my didn't, mine didn't used to be at Blizzard with nine Z's, right? Used to be I something else. I'm not tracking your name changes. All right. Well, Twitter handles. <laughs> go to uh, if the show notes don't show up in your podcast app because you're using the iOS podcast app. Uh, or whatever else you're using, go to eipodcast.com. That'll have 
uh, email address where you can contact us. Links for everything else for Twitter. Links for all the thing we've talked, all the things we've talked about in the show. Um, and you can leave a comment or you can email me if you have any suggestions. As a matter of fact, I would say email me because the metrics on Squarespace really stink. So we really have no idea who is listening to the show or how many people are listening to it. So let's try and get and not the call. Some somewhat of an idea. You can do that by leaving a review. Um, a constructive review. I don't even care how many stars you give us, as long as it's constructive, right? Or you can email me. Or you can leave a comment on the episode at the website. Troll Justin on Twitter. Or you can troll me on Twitter. Just, just after you're done trolling him, just say, oh, by the way, I listen to your podcast. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so that'll do it for this week. Uh... We'll see see you next week. You loved lava? lava? Why? So you, but you liked the song. I love you. It's cute. But you liked the actual song. That's what I'm saying. Oh my God. It's like because it's stupid. Hawaiian. Yeah, but the song is terrible. You don't think it would have been better without the song? No. It's a. It's a, it's like a, a a nod to Hawaiian culture, and so every all their stories. Hawaiian culture done. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Is it ukulele? Based? No, it's not. It's not. The song in Lava isn't. Yes, it is. Is it acoustic guitar or ukulele? I think it's acoustic guitar. It's definitely a ukulele. It has to be. It has to be ukulele. All right. If it's at all Hawaiian. Well, I'm in the majority at least, so I'm going to take comfort in that. Because everything I've heard, everybody hates that short. I haven't (laughs) seen it, and I like Pixar shorts, so we'll so we'll see.